You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin, and my name is JJ Leahy. Gil's a writer for SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update and Football for Idiots. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from OTAs to training camp, we've got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer for you on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Gil, we're going to have to update that intro again pretty soon because uh, training camp is here. It's going to be gone pretty soon, and we'll be into the regular season. I can't wait. I mean, preseason games are just a week away. We got family night coming up this weekend, and uh Look, uh, the off season is always tough for me, and I'm so juiced to get the 2021 NFL season underway and uh, see the Packers back out on the field. I can't believe you didn't mention the Hall of Fame game. Uh, in there. <laughs> That's we're recording this Thursday night, so the episode can go out Friday morning. The Hall of Fame game is starting pretty soon. Here, are you going to watch it? I am going to watch part of it. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm still disappointed. Leroy Butler did not make the class of 2021 uh he there are some players who got in before him who do not belong there ahead of him but uh, hopefully next year butler finally gets the call i'm biting my tongue to not call out the names that i think don't belong in there ahead of Leroy butler but uh keeping it respectful here i'll tell you what have you seen that picture of rob lowe uh, a couple years ago watching a football game and he's wearing a hat that just has the NFL logo on it. And he looks like he's totally bored with watching football. Have you seen that picture? I have not. No. Well, that's going to be me with the uh, hall of fame game, watching (laughs) the Steelers and Cowboys and trying to care about either one of those two teams. (laughs) (laughs) Go NFL. I just hope that both teams have fun and nobody gets hurt. (laughs) I I just want to see NFL football or something relatively close to it out there on the field again. And look, you know, I'm a little crazy. You know, if you had two Owen 16 teams playing in week 17, it was the only game on I'd watch part of it. I know I would. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's not great football, but it's great to have football back. Absolutely. Uh, we got some interesting things to talk about today because training camp is well underway. We've heard from a lot of the players. We've heard from some of the coaches. No sign of Joe Barry yet, to my great disappointment. Actually, I guess we haven't heard from any of the coordinators yet. Just just Matt LaFleur. Um, I know we've heard from at least a couple of the position coaches, though. But uh, talking about some of the things that caught our eye, I think that we have some new information about some players and how they look and what that means for the team that we didn't really know last week. And I think that now is maybe a decent time to hearken back to our episode a couple weeks ago where we gave our burning questions that we wanted to get answers to in the, in the preseason and in training camp, because I think a lot of those have been answered and Look, the Packers roster currently is uh, it's not technically at 92 because you got five guys on uh, reserve because they with a non-football injury. Um, but there's 92 guys who are you know associated with the Packers roster. We lost two: Bailey Gaither and Simon Stepniak have retired. Bailey Gaither was a uh, 2021 undrafted free agent. Simon Stepniak was a 2020 sixth round pick those guys both decided that the nfl just wasn't for them they are done so uh disappointing to hear but you know they had to make the best decision for their families and we wish them well yeah i mean with with stepaniak i think it may have had something to do with his injury history uh the injury Mm -hmm. he suffered his senior year at indiana that he never really fully recovered from cost him all of last year and i think when two a days got going, he just realized that his body probably couldn't uh, handle the 
the punishment of an NFL season. So uh, it's unfortunate, but I certainly wish both of them well in their future endeavors. Now, one guy along that offensive line who is capturing everybody's attention right now is Elton Jenkins. He's been kind of a superstar now they've kicked him out to left tackle in Bakhtiari's absence. And I'm not endorsing this idea, but somebody brought up that Brian Balaga's injury like a thousand years ago was how David Bakhtiari took the left tackle job from him and he never got it back. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that Elton should be left tackle instead of Bakhtiari, but it's interesting to think about. And it's nice to hear that we have a guy who might be really, really good at left tackle that we kind of didn't know about. And if nothing else, you know, maybe right tackle is something to consider here. We haven't seen him at right tackle, really. That position has mostly been manned by uh, Billy Turner. Uh, we do have a new uh, offensive tackle. I think we talked about him last week already. Dennis Kelly, I believe we talked about him. He's likely going to be our swing tackle or maybe even our full-time right tackle. But this is an interesting thing to think about is is possibly kicking him over to right tackle when Bakhtiari gets back. You know, if nothing else... There's a potential for us to have a really large offensive line. Get five guys out there who are just massive. If you put out from left to right, uh, Jenkins, Braden, Josh Myers, Billy Turner, and Dennis Kelly, those guys are are massive. And you put Bakhtiari back out on the field, he's the shortest guy out there. Yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty remarkable. And and the beautiful thing about the offensive line is not just the size and the measurables, but so many of the guys that the Packers look for play multiple positions. Yeah. And it really gives the team a lot of flexibility. You know, you talked about possibly moving Jenkins to tackle. You could always move Billy Turner to, to guard uh, at that point if you want to do that. And you've got a guy like Josh Myers who could play center or guard, Lucas Patrick, center or guard, Ben Braden, guard or tackle. Uh, you know, John Runyon Jr. played tackle in uh, in college. So many of these guys can play multiple positions, and I think it really adds to uh, what this team can do along the offensive line. Well, I'd like to harken back to the NFC Championship game two years ago versus the 49ers, and that massive, hulking, physical offensive line just punished our D-line all day long. And you may remember what, Raheem Mostert did <laughs> to the Packers defense on that day when the yeah. D line couldn't block him for anything. Yeah, it's not a good memory. <laughs> hey, I, all I'm saying is, you know, I'd like to be the bullies for once. How about we be the bullies who who go out and make, you know, make another team cry? Oh, absolutely. Uh bring it on. Bring it on. All right. So as much as people are talking about Elton, there's two other guys who are getting talked about even more. Uh, one of those would be um, Rashawn Gary. He's just blowing people up, looks pretty much unblockable a lot of time, except for when he goes up against Elton, and then those two just have at it, and, and th- that makes me happy. As long as neither one of them injures the other, I would like to see <laughs> those two guys <laughs> continue to compete. It's, it's kind of fun. And then young Juwan Winfrey has all the fans on social media convinced that he is going to make the roster. What what do you think? Uh, you know what? I'm not convinced yet, but I'm getting more and more convinced as time continues to go on. I think they're going to find a way to keep him. Uh, I don't think he has it locked up yet. That's what I mean by convinced, but he's well on his way. I think you got at least four, I would say at least five guys uh, trying to compete for one roster spot, and that – those five guys do not include any of the really depth guys like Reggie Begleton, Chris Blair, or DeAndre Tompkins. I'm talking guys on the level of Alan Lazard and, and Devin Funches, all competing for one roster spot here with Juwan Winfrey. But something that I think is worth noting, you know, the Packers run 11 personnel 55% of the time, which Sounds like a lot, except when you put it in the context of the rest of the league, and then they are 23rd. There's 22 teams that run 11 personnel more than they do, which is when you have uh, three tight ends out in the field. Um, I'm sorry, not three tight ends, three wide receivers. Uh, They ran a total of just five snaps 
uh, period in in 2020, the entire 2020, where they had four or more wide receivers on the field. So you got to ask yourself if you got if you're keeping even five wide receivers on the roster, not counting injuries, when are you expecting that wide receiver five to even get on the field? It's mostly going to be during special teams, right? And so I mm-hmm. would argue that for wide receiver five, a guy like Juwan Winfrey or Malik Taylor may have a leg up on, say, Devin Funches because of their special teams contributions. And if you're looking at Winfrey versus Taylor, that is a fascinating um, It's a fascinating comparison because they're both very physical, very big, muscular, fast guys. Malik Taylor, I think, clearly is the more athletic of the two. Winfrey seems like he could maybe contribute a little more on offense, but you got to just ask yourself, is there even a job open on offense for another guy? And, and, you know, yes, he, yes, he could do it if called upon, but would he even be called upon? I'm not sure. Well, you're always one injury away, one snap away from having to be the next man up. So I think you have to take that into consideration. Now, would it be the only thing you take into consideration or even the primary thing you take into consideration? No, but I think, you know, both short-term and long-term, if someone were to get hurt, could we plug this guy in is something you have to think about. Well, don't forget Malik Malik to – what is his name? Taylor. (laughs) We had a Malik Turner last year, and it still throws me off. Malik Taylor beat out uh, Reggie Begleton and Jake Kumaro for a roster spot last year. Right. Because of his special teams. And I I just – I think that that – is something you can't overlook. I think that LaFleur and Goody both seem to really value reserving a wide receiver spot for a special teams guy. Yeah, and look, you know, Malik is certainly in the fight to be the return specialist, although Amari Rogers probably has an edge over him in that department. But, uh, yeah, the whether it's on coverage or as a return specialist, special teams definitely make a difference for those last few roster spots. There's no question about that. Yeah, and, and to everybody who would just point out, well, you know, isn't Amari Rogers going to be handling returns? There's a lot more to do on special teams than just returns. So, uh, yes, returns are, are certainly not the first thing I think of when I think of Malik Taylor. No, no, they're not. Uh, speaking of Amari Rogers, he has been lining up in the backfield and working out with the running backs occasionally. It's certainly not his, uh, you know, where he's spending the majority of of his time, but we had wondered if that was going to be a thing. Is he going to play a little bit of something like a Ty Montgomery thing where he's, you know, sometimes a wide receiver, sometimes a, uh, running back, you know, Randall Cobb used to, you know, take snaps out of the backfield all the time back in the Mm -hmm. day. And the last two years, Tyler Irvin was doing the same. Uh, this is an interesting development. Tell me uh, your thoughts on it. Uh, I think it's something that is designed to get the rookie on the field. And, you know, one of the issues with rookies is always learning the offense, learning the system, learning the different responsibilities that they have on any given play or in any given formation. So if you turn around and give a guy like Amari Rogers you know, five plays that he just has to know because that's going to be, you know, you're going to use him on these kind of gadget plays or these kind of plays that gets him more involved in the offense early, maybe helps boost his confidence and then you grow from there. So, uh, you know, everyone always pictured Amari Rogers as being the next Randall Cobb as far as how he's going to be used. Now he's got a long way before he can prove he's as good as Randall Cobb uh, was in his prime, But certainly, you know, Cobb used to line up in the backfield, as you said, and I can totally see uh, the Packers looking for a package of plays to use Amari Rodgers like they use Tyler Irvin, like they use Randall Cobb a few years back uh, in order to get him involved in the offense and and jumpstart his participation in that way. I love it. Let's talk about defense. Uh, some bad news. Actually, I have three notes of bad news we got to talk about first, and then we can hopefully get into some more encouraging things. First of all, Randy Ramby, uh, Randy Ramsey, codenamed Rambo. Dude is hurt. 
Sounds like he's going to be out for a while. Matt LaFleur sounded very bleak when he was talking about the injuries, you know, saying, man, yeah, you really don't like to see this. We're going to miss him. Guys, you're going to really have to step up in his absence. He has not been, as of the time of us recording right now, and his injury was like 48 hours ago, uh, as of now, he has not been, you know, moved to any kind of reserve list. He's not listed on any of those things, but sounds like he's going to be out for a while, which leaves outside linebacker number four kind of wide open. And so the guys that you have uh, kind of competing there, you got Jonathan Garvin, Delonte Scott, and Tipiglia. And Tipa has been making some plays. Um, you know, I, I don't think that I could say he's really like standing out above the other guys, but he is practicing well. And, uh, you know, something we've heard about Joe Barry is that he likes small, fast, light linebackers. That could be a little edge for Tippa, who is certainly on the small side. Yeah. And uh, again, if if that's the truth and and he fits what Joe Barry is looking for, then this is a big opportunity for him to make his mark and maybe, you know, secure a roster spot where he was clearly going to be fighting for one. When this whole training camp started, Preston Smith went and talked to the media and he was asked, you know, what was kind of the reason why last year was a bad performance for him. And he was really quick to kind of deflect some of that heat and say, well, you know, last year they were having me drop into coverage a lot. And, you know, so that really affected things. And I, I don't really buy it. Like, yeah, he was dropping into coverage, but he was worse last year at everything than he was in 2019. Not just – it wasn't just that he was having fewer pass rush attempts, and so therefore he was getting fewer pressures. No, when he was rushing the passer, he was getting home a much smaller percentage of that time. So it's not, it's not that uh, – you know, dropping into coverage would affect that at all because we're talking about the percentage of his pass rush attempts where he was able to do his job. That percentage went down. He was also worse at stopping the run. He was also worse in coverage than he was in 2019. I don't really like the excuse. I don't really buy it. I, yeah, he was dropped into coverage a little bit more, not a ton more in 2020, but that should certainly not affect everything else. Look, I think that I think that uh, everything else I've heard from him, he has the right attitude. He's humbling himself and working hard and trying to um, get his production back up to where it was in 2019. Uh, you know, his new contract is you know certainly restructured to heavily incentivize that production, and the Packers want him to earn all those bonuses. He wants to earn all those bonuses. I hope he does. Um, but to to the point of well it was because I was dropping into coverage so much because Kyler Fackrell was gone and Kyler Fackrell used to do all of the uh dropping into coverage plays I don't buy that at all no I don't buy it either but look you know to me the important thing is not how he tries to explain away his subpar performance in 2020 it's how he comes back and tries to do well in 2021. So I agree with you. Uh, you know, he his attempts at making excuses or explanations, if you want to be a little more kind, uh, falls a little bit flat. But right now, he has lost some weight. He looks like he is trying to take advantage of the fact that Zadarius Smith has been held out of practice so far in camp right now with a with a minor injury. And uh Hopefully, Preston Smith takes advantage of all those incentives in his contract and comes out and has a monster year. Okay, so I got to talk about a couple things before we move on to the next note that I wrote down. Because you talked about Preston shedding some weight, and Kenny Clark also shed weight. And we thought, and even Kenny himself had talked about this in the offseason, that he was going to be moved around more and line up at different spots, maybe be playing as a D-end. So far, we're not seeing that at all. He's just being used the same way he's always been used. He's just the nose tackle. Uh, the starting three interior guys have been Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, and Kenny Clark. That is what we have seen so far in practice. Not to say that those things won't show up, but as of right now, certainly not seeing that. Uh, the other thing is you mentioned 
Zedarius being out, and I had totally forgotten. But this is how last year started as well. Zedarius actually got hurt really early on in training camp and then was gone for like weeks and weeks, and we were starting to get worried if he was going to even start the year. And he did obviously come back. Uh, I think I believe he was out in the field week one against uh, Minnesota. Um, but it is also worth noting that Zadarius had a very slow start to the year last year. It wasn't until later on in the year that he got back to like his old self. And I just wonder, you know, are we going to say the same thing this year? I, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Well, look, it, you know, it's still relatively early. And I am hoping that he will get back into the swing of things and be able to be ready to go week one in New Orleans. That's the key. You know, whether what how he performs in preseason games one through three is not as important to me. The preseason, I want to see, you know, the guys who are fighting for roster spots more than I want to see the starters. So, yeah, it's a concern. There's no question it's a concern. But it's still a little too early for me to be panicked about it. So on the note of the whole dropping into coverage thing for the outside linebackers, Kamal Martin has apparently been moved to outside linebacker. Seems like things have not been working out for him at inside linebacker. And this, to me, is pretty concerning. I think that it's totally plausible that he could make the outside linebacker room better. But I, I don't know that taking him out of the inside linebacker room is great for them. And I also don't know that any of this is good for Kamal. It seems like the coaches are not real thrilled with what they've seen from him. Um, this, to me, feels a little bit like a desperation move. Like, let's see if we can find a role for you anywhere. Uh, and Matt LaFleur was asked about that. He's, you know, he was asked, Hey, seems like Kamal is always practicing with the twos and the threes. And this was before he got moved to outside linebacker, by the way. Mm -hmm. And LaFleur said basically like, well, you know, he's got to earn it. (laughs) If he, uh, if he wants to be out there with the ones, he needs to earn it. I don't, I don't like hearing that at all. That's, that's not a good sign. No, it's not. And, you know, right now, Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell are ahead of him clearly on the depth chart at inside linebacker. I, you know, it's it's one of those things where you hope he doesn't become another situation like Oren Burks, where in training camp right. as a rookie, he was great. He was shining. Everyone was impressed. Gets hurt. Never quite the same. Never really. The light doesn't go on and he doesn't take that next step. It, you know, it's it. You don't want it to be deja vu all over again, as Yogi Berra would say. <laughs> hey, speaking of Barnes, who you just brought up, we made a big deal, gosh, maybe two months ago now, talking about all the inside linebackers. I think we were talking about this when we signed Devondre Campbell and, you know, what an athletic freak he is. Uh, Chris Barnes has stuck out like a sore thumb in our room of extremely athletic linebackers in that he's very slow comparatively here's something chris barnes was talking to the media and he told us yeah i lost a ton of weight he said something to the effect of i didn't realize that i was fat and i'm carrying around all this extra weight so i've slimmed down and i'm faster now i think that's relevant i think that shedding some weight might be a good thing for him you know i'm i'm not you know potato chip eating me is not calling chris barnes out of shape at all but He's the one who brought it up and said that he needed to slim down. He lost some weight. He thinks he'll be faster. And we have the numbers to show he was our slowest linebacker by a a wide margin previously. Yeah, he was. And you like the idea that he's been working on trimming down and, and adding a little, maybe a half a step. And the other thing he mentioned in his press conference was talking about how important it is for him to anticipate to to get to where the ball is going to be and to take the proper tackling angle. So here's a guy who maybe knows he has some athletic limitations, but is going to work hard and do what it takes to make up for those limitations and still be an effective linebacker. And that's all you could ask from a, a guy like Barnes who, you know, his measurables, his lack of speed and size is why he was undrafted. And yet he's turning into a, you know, a potential starter and a guy who's calling the signals for the defense. Uh, a couple position th- 
thingies. I'm not, not sure what to call this. So Thursday, Jair uh, practiced in the slot, and Stokes and Josh Jackson were on the outside. Remember, Kevin King is still on the pup list. Uh, according to Tom Silverstein and Pete Doherty, this is the first time Jair has ever practiced in the slot. Did I say the slot? Yeah, he was in the slot um, for the Packers. I don't know how to feel about this. My gut reaction is I don't like the idea, um, but it's interesting to see him do it. And I think he'd be good at it. I just I think that that outside corner is such a premium, you know, position you want to lock down to me i want to put my best guy out there not put him in the slot i agree with you but i think what we're looking at is look let's say this joe barry we don't know a lot yet about his defense but we do know some basic things about what his philosophy is and one of the things he wants to do is to keep offenses guessing a little bit as to where players are going to line up which zone is, are they in? Are they in a cover three, a cover four? Uh, who's the star on any given play? So to me, you know, maybe Jair Alexander is going to line up in the slot 10% of the time. But at least he has to be prepared to do it and to have him practice there a little bit under those circumstances makes a lot of sense. If we're talking about it, you know scouts and coaching staffs of future opponents are going to have to talk about it and prepare for it. And that's exactly what the Packers want. You know, here's something else. We we, we think that uh, Joe Barry really wants to have his defense playing zone match a lot. You know, have everybody else in zone, but then put Jair up against, you know, the number one wide receiver. And you, you think about, you know, the Packers had Devontae in the slot a lot last year. You know, if you think about it, if you're trying to play against the Packers, if you were to put Jair on Devontae and then have everybody else play zone, that could be really effective. This could just be a, another sign of like, okay, well, what happens if – if the guy that uh, that uh, Jair is manned up against goes into the slot, this is what you'd have to do. So let's practice for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to prepare for every eventuality, and I think it, I think it makes sense. I don't think we'll see him there often, but I think we will see him there on occasion. Here's a burning question that we had when we did our other podcast: Who was going to be the star, which is that the nickel defender, and who is it? Who is it, Gil? Chandon Sullivan. Yep. Pencil that in or ink it in with a pen. That, 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 that seems to be locked in tight. He's been the star since day one of voluntary OTAs. That is still the case. Seems to me he has won that job, and uh, I don't see Joe Barry out there experimenting with it right now. I think he's going to have to you know, figure out who his, his backup is for it if Chandon gets hurt. But it sure seems like that is uh, you know, choice 1A for him. Well, and, and I like Chandon. I, I, you know, he was a little bit of a of an inconsistent player in 2020 after a very, very strong 2019 as the dime back. Moved up to the slot slash nickel guy last year. And like I said, mixed results. I'm hoping he takes another step forward. He's been a great story. Uh, you know, every time that I've seen him in a presser or, or heard him interviewed, he's been, you know, it's it, he. He's the kind of guy you want to root for, and I'm hoping to see more positive things from him this year. Well, sure. Here, let's let's just compare his 2019-2020. These are his PFF grades, all right? In 2019, when he played very well, his one weakness was his run defense. He had a 50.8 grade, which is below average. Everything else, he was uh, 73 or above. In 2020, those numbers are drastically different. His overall grade was a 62. His run defense actually climbed a little bit to 54. Is that? Yeah, 54. Uh, his pass rush plummeted down to 33.8. His coverage grade was the only thing that was still, you know, somewhat competent at 65. And and that was with him, you know, playing that slot. Doesn't seem to be a natural fit for him. But you, you put him, you know, at the nickel defender. It's a little bit more like what he was doing in 2019. He's going to be used a lot more in run defense, which admittedly has been a weak spot for him both years with the Packers. But I think if you're if you're focusing on that more as opposed to playing, you know, the slot uh, coverage against tight ends and stuff a lot of the day, um, maybe allows him to work on that and get better at it. I, overall, I like the move. 
whatever whatever you do with him, and I do want to keep him. I, I don't really want to keep him at slot corner because that was just not a good fit for him. And he was kind of, you know, he's not the world's biggest guy. He's 5'11", 194 pounds. Uh, I, I didn't really love having him in the slot there. He You saw mismatches with him uh, against Gronkowski, for example. He, he It just wasn't a great fit. No, he wasn't a great fit. And, and you know, hopefully this year that star role is, is better for him. That That's what you have to hope. So looking at safety, uh, Henry Black is now back from uh, – he had a non-football injury, and I forget what it was already. It wasn't important. So while he was gone, and Will Redmond is still on the pup list, uh, mm-hmm. Vernon Scott during that time was that uh, the third safety out there when they would load up and put Adrian Amos in the in the in the box, and you had Darnell out there, and your third safety, the the high safety was Vernon Scott. Now it seems to be Henry Black. Kind of interesting to me. I really like Henry Black. I like Vernon Scott too. I I really wonder where Will Redmond fits in there because I, I have to imagine he probably is higher up on the depth chart than either of those guys. But I like them getting all these snaps here because I think that they showed a lot last year when they were both rookies during COVID when he had like no offseason or preseason. And they just didn't get a lot of attention or time. So... You know, you don't love that Will Redmond is missing time, but uh, I like that we're getting a chance to see some stuff out of Vernon Scott and Henry Black. It's interesting to me that Henry Black right now is taking those those snaps in that in those looks, and I wonder is that due to them just trying to catch him up because he was gone, or do they actually have him ahead of Scott on the depth chart? I don't, I really don't know. Although Will Redmond and linebacker Isaiah McDuffie were both spotted working out on the sidelines on Thursday, which is what Josiah DeGuara and Henry Black were doing right before they were reactivated. So uh, Redmond could be back pretty quickly. McDuffie could be back. Um, I was wondering to myself earlier why McDuffie was, had not been being hurt at all in uh, in camp, and it's because I forgot that he was on uh, on the non-football injury list. So it nice to have those, guys, those two guys back. Well, I don't know. We're going to find out. Uh, it's going to be a battle, I think. And, and you know, the problem with Will Redmond's injury and then, you know, all these guys who were some of the top special teams players last year, they're getting hurt and they're not available. And that is a little bit of a concern. The closer, you know, no Randy Ramsey, no Will Redmond. Uh, you know, you, you, you don't want to lose all of these guys. No question about that. Yeah, for sure. We have enough trouble with coverage teams, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we also have we also have quite a few issues with guys being hurt here. Uh, the tight end room is a bit of a mess right now because of injury. You got uh, Josiah DeGuara finally passed his physical. He's back at practice. I think Thursday was his first day at practice. Very exciting. Nice to have him back. Um, in his absence, you know, Dominique Daphne got put on, uh, what was it, the... He's he's on the unable to. Is it the pup list? Is that he's on? Let me see. I think I don't know if he's on pup or NFI non football injury. It's one he's, or the other. He's on pup. He and Bakhtiari are on pup. Okay. Okay. So he's on pup. In 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 uh, Deguara's absence with with Daphne moved to pup. Uh, Goody signed another H back, another F move type end or tight end. Uh, Daniel Crawford from Northern Illinois. Uh, this was expected. We talked about it that, look, you, you're kind of out of those move tight ends because you got Isaac Nauta and Browson Kafusi, but they are different types of tight ends. They're not going to be able to do that, that job. Josiah DeGuara being healthy would be phenomenal. That, that could be transformational for the offense. Uh, you know, well, he's, he's back. He's, he's off the pup list. So he's back. Yeah. Very, very exciting. I really hope that he can play. Uh, week one for us because that would be huge absolutely and you know Matt LaFleur was so excited about Josiah DeGuara after the draft you get the feeling that he might have been available in the fourth round we didn't have a fourth round pick uh, because we traded up to get Jordan Love and so we took him in the third round and and then you know there it is two games and then he's hurt and lost for the year starting on the pup list now it is good to have him back and i'm interested in seeing exactly what 
way Matt LaFleur wants to use him as a tight end slash H-back slash fullback. Uh, I don't want to see what this kid can do. You know who else we had some big questions about was Jay Sternberger. And he's been like, I was going to say hot and cold, but it's kind of the reverse. He's been cold and hot. <laughs> he started <laughs> out He started out training camp looking terrible. And his first play of training camp was a dropped pass. And Aaron Rodgers went over and had a one-on-one talk with him for a little bit. And ooh, don't envy him that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's been doing better. He's catching some passes. He's getting open. Uh, Matt Schneidman, I think, uh, during a portion where they couldn't film or take pictures or anything, uh, he tweeted out that Josiah or Josiah Jace had an OBJ catch, which is kind of exciting. Wish we could have seen it, you know. Thanks yeah. a lot, Jace, for doing that during the closed portion and not, you know, when there's cameras everywhere. Speaking of having <laughs> cameras on spectacular plays, have you seen yet, Gil? I, if you haven't, then I apologize for not sending it to you because I should have, and I'm a terrible friend. Did you see Aaron Rodgers throwing that Hail Mary into the net? I did, and uh, wow. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, just... I, I don't I don't think that people who are fans of an NFL team other than the Packers or say the Chiefs, I don't think that most fans really appreciate uh how maybe I'm saying this backwards backwards. I think Packers fans don't appreciate just how crazy hard that is to do and how impressive it is. And you got uh all the fans of all the poverty franchises are going, oh, I wish we had a quarterback who could make throws like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Uh, yeah no I mean the one thing Packer fans have to remember they have had a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback for like a generation and a half right now if you go back to 1992 when Brett Favre arrived on the scene and that is something that is rare and has to be savored and look whether 2021 is the last year Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay or he comes back and finishes his career in Wisconsin or not, just savor the moment. The fact that we have had such outstanding quarterback play for 30 years is rare and beautiful, and it has made for a lot of entertaining football over the last three decades. Couldn't agree with you more. Dang. You know, that that was such a beautiful little speech you gave that I forgot what the next thing I wanted to bring up was because <laughs> I didn't put it in my notes and it was it was it was something good. It, man, it was something I thought of it when I was talking about Rogers throwing that pass. Oh, I remember what it was now. Hail okay, Marys. Good. The Packers yeah. are practicing Hail Marys, which is great. I love to see them doing that. They, you know, it seems like it's been a couple of years since I've heard them. Heard of them practicing a Hail Mary in practice. But I think that was always a big part of why. Rodgers had so many of them, you know, five years ago or so is because they, you know, they practiced that stuff. You know, he and his receivers were practicing that. And I maybe I just missed it, but I haven't heard of him doing that in the last couple of years uh, with it, with with the offense. Well, look, you you want to practice that stuff. So it when you need to do it, it's muscle memory. It's second nature. It's been there, done that. And, you know, it's one of those things you never know when you might need it. So definitely make sure you're ready for it when the time comes. Yeah, I know at some point in the last two years, I saw him attempt one. It was at the end of a half. I want to say it may have been when I was there in in Detroit in 2019 at the end of the season. I, I, I want to say to end the half, you know, they were down. I want to say that he ended with a Hail Mary attempt and, it, you know, it wasn't even close. It was it. It was exciting to see. I was like, oh, am I going to get to witness another one of these live in person this time? No. <laughs> no. No. But, uh, yeah, no, they, they, those moments are always special when they happen, whether they're in a playoff game or uh, the last play of the game to beat Detroit, uh, as we all remember. So, yeah, I, I love those moments, and Rodgers has had more than his share. Let's put it that way. Well, we had some other fun stuff we were going to talk about, but we ended up talking about, you know, important stuff instead. So we got to save the, the you know, sillier stuff, I guess, for next week. But uh, one thing that you and I were getting into before we started recording was running back three. 
Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I've gotten into this with a couple people now because my opinion is not a popular one. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's time for you to take me on on this one. Who's your pick? <laughs> who's your pick for running running back number three? You you know my position on this. I, I know your position on this. I still, you know what? Uh, it, it, this is a tough one. Uh, it, you know, you have three major candidates for that spot, and I'll break them down and let you know let you make the first pick because I know your pick. But <laughs> you got you got Patrick Taylor, who was probably the best receiver of the group has more size than anybody else, uh, is coming off an injury that cost him all of last year. You have Dexter Williams, who is in his third training camp with the team, needs to work on his pass blocking and receiving, but has looked very good in camp this year running the football. Uh, And then you have the rookie, Kylan Hill, who everyone coming into training camp thought would be the favorite. also has, you know, looks like he can run the football, but is he ready to step in and get reps? Because if you can't pass, protect or catch passes, you're limited as to how often you're going to see the field under Matt LaFleur. So uh, did I miss anything in those basic introductions or uh, did you you touched on Patrick Taylor already? Right. I yes. Think, I was yeah, dra- yeah. daydreaming when you said that. Come back to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, here's what it is. I have not been since the draft. I have not been a believer in the ability of Kylan Hill to make, you know, running back three this season. Could he do it in the future? I think so. He certainly has some fantastic tools in his arsenal. No question about that. He has great college highlights. Uh, You know, they're, they're exciting to watch, watching him barrel through guys, you know, make flips into the end zone. You know, it's, it's fun to watch. I, I think Matt LaFleur constantly preaches that one of the most important factors in uh, winning football games is winning the turnover battle. Uh, fumbling is the number one thing that has kept Dexter Williams off the field and off the team the last few years, his first uh, two years in the league. Um, his, his ability to pass protect has not been adequate. And so he's not getting, you know, offensive snaps. And even when he's on special teams, you know, he was a bit of a liability last year in ball protection. And I just, I see all these things in Kylan Hill and it just makes me really nervous. And I don't, I just, I don't see how there's, you know, even enough time left in this preseason for him to earn the trust of LaFleur and, you know, find a role on offense. I think that there's clearly ways that he can uh, chip in on, on special teams, and I'd like to see that. But I just think that he's behind where Dexter Williams is and where Patrick Taylor is. My position here is I think that uh, I think the answer for who can be running back three right now is anybody but Kylan Hill, whether that's Dexter, <laughs> Patrick Taylor, or some guy off the street who's not on the team yet. That's where I stand. And listen, Dexter Williams is having a crazy good training camp so far. Now, I banged the table really hard for Patrick Taylor on this podcast for several weeks, but Dexter Williams is the one who's just been absolutely shining. So, you know, here, here's a bunch of tweets that I, you know, have, have kind of curated from various uh, beat writers. Most of these are Andy Herman. Um, I'm not going to read off the names on all these, but I'm just going to read a couple little things about Dexter Williams. Uh, Dexter Williams had a little hesitation at the line, but it allowed him to set up his blocks and he accelerated quickly for a nice pickup. Williams has had a nice start to camp. And you're going to see that as a, a theme here. Every time you hear about Dexter all Williams, the time. Yep. The, the, the writer of the tweet is doesn't matter who it is. They're always going to also throw in who has had a really nice camp. All right. This one is Andy Herman. One of my notes from week one of camp was that Patrick Taylor really needed to find a way back sooner rather than later with how well Kylan Hill and Dexter Williams have practiced. Uh, That was a note because Patrick Taylor was in fact back. This was uh, like Monday. Not sure what day it was anymore. Okay. All right. Royce Newman showed his uh, athleticism, opened a hole for Dexter Williams, who was having a very nice start to camp. 
Dexter Williams with another really nice run during the developmental period, running behind Newman and Yash Nijman. Hey, look, a Yash Nijman appearance. Hey, there what do you, you know? <laughs> Yash uh, lives. <laughs> uh, nice little shout out from uh, our, our colleague Chris Lemsis uh, from Packers Talk. You got a nice little thread here praising Dexter Williams. Uh, Chris is a great follow uh, at It's Just Chris now on Twitter. Go ahead and check him out. Absolutely. Here's, here's the great Zach Jacobson uh, with some nice little commentary. Whoever is able to stand among the rest in pass protection, that's who gets that third spot, in my opinion. I'd be surprised if they keep four, but Dexter Williams' strong camp and even better preseason could twist their arm. And that was in response to a comment about Hill having the highest ceiling, but that it's all about fit and his ability to do all the other little things. Here's Mm -hmm. another Dexter Williams note. No question about it. Dexter Williams is running with much better contact balance. Kylan has more raw talent, but Williams' experience will help him. He's further with becoming a pro at running back. Um, I'll probably stop there because it's just more of the same. It's you know just a bunch of, hey, here's a really nice run from Dexter Williams. Looks a lot better than he used to. And by the way, he's having a great camp. That's You used to see that over and over and over again. And he's been doing really well in the receiving game as well, which is a big thing. Kylan Hill's been doing a little bit of that. But, uh, I mean, here's a gorgeous video of Kurt Benkert throwing a, a, just an absolute dime all the way down the field. Looks like about 45 yards to Dexter Williams, who just just – plucks it right out of the air. I just love it. So I, I think, uh, I think Dexter Williams probably in the lead for me, but uh, I, I really like what Patrick Taylor brings to the table as well. I think his skill set would serve very well to be a third down back. I, I think his skill set would be ideal as the third round back. Uh, but I love seeing Dexter Williams come on the, the key though, for Taylor Williams and Hill is pass protection. That is going to be the big – because if you can't protect the passer, Matt LaFleur is not going to trust you to be on the field. And we saw that happen to Dexter Williams uh, in his rookie year Mm -hmm. where injuries hit at running back. And what they they started Trey Carson ahead of uh, Dexter Williams, and Carson was gone two weeks later. Yeah. So uh, I I think that is going to be the key. You could talk all you want about the ceiling – and the skill set and the fit. But if you can't pass protect, you're not going to see the field very often as a running back in Matt LaFleur's offense. Hey, real quick. We just got an update. The Packers were awarded outside linebacker Chauncey Rivers off of waivers. And they cut. Oh, I can't even say it. It hurts. It hurts. They cut my guy, Joe Fortunato. Looks oh, like, wow. Looks like maybe Hunter Bradley has won that long snapper competition. Oh, look, looks that way. Looks that way. Chauncey Rivers uh, looks like he signed with the Ravens initially. Uh, yeah, he went undrafted. What year was it? He's 24 years old, so probably like two years ago. Probably, yeah. Um, bah, 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 bah. Nobody wants to tell me what year he went undrafted. That, that's the problem with the undrafted guys is you can never find that information just like readily available. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll I tell you what. Getting cut by the Ravens, if you are uh, a, a linebacker, they have so much talent and always do in in that room. Uh, doesn't doesn't worry me at all if the Ravens decide that yeah you're you're not really the guy for us just because like come on you're competing with like the best of the best in the league so yeah I, we'll we'll have to look up uh, Chauncey Rivers and, and tell you more about him next week but that's that's there's your, there's your breaking news. And Joe Fortunato, I'm surprised that, you know, he was their first big free agent signing of the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like Joe. I got to talk to him a couple of times. He uh, did an interview for me, did a story on him. I really, really enjoyed uh, hearing from him. I really thought he was going to make it. I thought he was, but it looks like I'm stuck watching Hunter Bradley again. Hopefully, hopefully having Joe there inspired uh, Hunter to you know, up his game and get more consistent and hopefully we'll yep. see a better per- performance from him this year. That That's the bottom line. And it wouldn't shock me if they try to bring in another long snapper at some point, you know, if Bradley starts to show signs of, of uh, inconsistency again. All right. So we're looking at uh, running back number three. Who's, who's your official uh, prediction for that spot? Uh, you know what? I'm going to let you go first. I want to hear your official prediction first. Mm, see, not Kylan Hill is 
not much of a prediction though. That's the that's no. The that is problem. that is that leaves you with two choices. So flip the coin. Let's go. <laughs> Man, uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I I like I like both of them. I think um, I, I maybe we need to have the fans weigh in and tell us tell us who they think is is going to get running back number three. That maybe that's the the right answer here. Should we put it to a poll? We could put it to a poll. All right, and you're you're up in the air as well. You're not sure. I am I am up in the air. Look, I think Hill at least makes the practice squad. I I I think they'll try to sneak him on there. Oh, for um, sure. You know, so uh, yeah, I I think it's going to be one of those situations where anything I say right now is an educated guess. But how these players perform in preseason and in training camp the rest of the way is going to be the ultimate determining factor. But to me. Pass protection is is the bottom line for the third running back at this mm-hmm. time. Yep, that's where I'm at as well. All right, well, we'll, we'll put it to a poll uh, on Twitter, uh, just like we always do. So uh, your options here, uh, should we include none of the above, somebody off the street, or should we just leave the three well, guys on the roster? Uh, let's put the let's put none of the above or player to be named later or okay. whoever, you know, or they bring in somebody. It's a possibility. You know, Waiver actually, wire. That's, that's worth mentioning. Uh, Goody did bring in two running backs. He had one guy come in for a tryout and one for a visit. Um, Here's some other positions he brought in. He brought in a couple of defensive tackles. He signed one of them. He brought in a couple of tight ends. He signed one of them. He brought in a couple of running backs. No moves yet there, but that to me, I, I, th- I think he's going to keep looking. He also worked out a cornerback and I, it was just one corner. And so I'm a little bit on the fence here. Like, does he, is he concerned about the cornerback room or is this just an individual player that he was already interested in? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm leaning more toward the latter. But then we start hearing that uh, Eric Stokes was struggling a bit in training camp. And if, if Kevin King is still not close to being ready to come back, all of a sudden, yeah, it's a little bit thin there in cornerback room. So, yeah, maybe. 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 And, you know, there could be minor injuries that we don't know about. There, there are a lot of possibilities when trying to figure out why they bring in a player. But uh, look, right now uh, – to me, I'm not worried about Stokes being up and down at this point. That's what rookies do, especially rookie cornerbacks. So give this kid a chance. This year is a learning experience, and what he's playing like at the end of the season is more important to me than what he's doing in preseason and at the beginning of the season. Yep, I'm with you there as well. All righty. Well, folks, that uh, does it for our time today, so let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, we'll be right back here next week. Really excited to finally see some, some Packers football, get these preseason games a rolling. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. Oh, go ahead. Can't wait. That's all I was going to say. Oh, I'm glad we, glad we paused for that. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com